I'm never out of words. Just ones that work together. <laughs> I'm not ignoring you. I'm just in my own little world. Oh. Wait, I'm so into the vibe of this episode. I just have to tell you, I felt so like cuckoo for Cocoa Pops the last, I, I don't even know what, when it comes to all things Housewives and truly just seeing you on this little <laughs> Zoomy Zoom, I'm like, I, I'm in a safe space now. I have one of my favorite guest co-hosts. Oh, wow. Okay. What a dream. What a nice compliment. Thank you. <laughs> Well, listen, thank you in advance for the gift you just gave the Bravo community and what promises to be a great episode. You guys, it's Andy's Girls. It's episode, I don't know. We're in the 380s. Things are happening. We're riding closer to 400 as the weeks go on. Can't believe it. But what I am so excited to believe and know, seeing this guest's gorgeous face on the Zoom across (laughs) from me, is knowing that he's back on the people's people's couch. You know him as Chief Housewives Correspondent and Entertainment Tonight, my favorite housewives journalista. Welcome back to Andy's Girls, Bryce Sander. Bryce, how are we? Oh, wow. Don't tell Dave Quinn that. (laughs) (laughs) Can we just take a minute to talk about your, I just noticed what you're wearing. How do I get an ET, which works for a variety, works for Entertainment Tonight, works for Spielberg. Right. An ET <laughs> zip-up hoodie, which looks chic AF. This was our, like, corporate holiday present. So it's a limited, oh, it exclusive <laughs> thing. I was like, you, you can't purchase the t-shirt I have on, which is the oh. Housewives smoking t-shirt um, by Julia. I don't know how to say her last name, but you can purchase that. Julia, whomever, at Carusio. the Instagram account, at real, I want to say it's Real Housewives Smoking. I might I be believe fucking so. that up. I believe so. She, she is a genius. I actually yes. have been looking at that shirt. Is that the Dorit Smoking shirt? It's the Dorit Smoking shirt because I believe it's the only one she has, but it's iconic and fabulous. Mm-hmm. And I have seen Dorit smoke in person before, so. Have you? And what is that experience like? It was... I interviewed Dorit and Dorinda on the same day and oh it was literally like coming and going and Dorit pulled in and was like finishing a cigarette and then Dorinda when I went to grab her was finishing a cigarette and I was like this is what dreams are made of. <laughs> That's also a lot of different energy and I don't know if Dorinda <laughs> right after smoking is the Dorinda that's ideal for a sit down or it maybe it is yeah no it it totally is it was also I think Danny Pellegrino clipped it out at the time because I used to format the housewives interviews with there was always a drink involved um and then that became like too complicated and unnecessary (laughs) um to like always have to yeah service props um but so we, I would like pour wine and Dorinda was like talking about how all her castmates drink too much and she was sipping away <laughs> during oh it. And I, I believe it's somewhere in the deep annals of Danny Pellegrino's Instagram somewhere. <laughs> it's in the dark web section <laughs> of Danny Pellegrino's Instagram. And I'm here for it because that is honestly, I love the lack of irony. That, that's maybe one of my favorite characteristics of a that's of what an all-star it is. housewife. It's, it's just like willful, not even ignorance. It's just like willful. Mm. Yes. Ignoring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's the lack of realization. It's the idea of like, listen, I'm the one telling jokes because y'all tell me that I'm funny, but I'm definitely not into it. I'm right. not like a part of whatever humor is is happening here. <laughs> you are laughing at me, not with me, but I'm acting uh, as if you are with me. And all I hear is the applause right. at the end of the day. And that's and what they live that for. What, that is what is most important. All housewives are a, a version of Tinkerbell. It's true. It's, I mean, and also all podcasters. Not to to keep us out of the conversation. Listen, speaking of conversation, there's a lot for us to discuss. But first and foremost, we are recording this mere minutes after Entertainment Tonight got the exclusive first look, the trailer for the upcoming Potomac reunion. What are your thoughts? What's your reaction? It looks good. I think it's a trailer that doesn't give it all away. It's like hint, hint, hint of what's to come. I am interested to see how the whole like Juan Robin situation plays out, given the podcast confessions behind a paywall in the last week. Um, but I, what I what I enjoyed seeing is that Candace seems to have worked her way into Andy Cohen's good graces. I never mm. bought into the that he like was anti-Candace, but I right. do think there is a new level of respect there. Um, they have some fun moments. Giselle seems to be on fire the whole time. Hot box in the hot seat. Um, <laughs> and it, I don't know if... The thing with reunions is it's like, the questions can be asked, but will you get the answers? Mm. Mm. And you have to wait a little bit for the reunion because it doesn't come out for two weeks after the finale airs, thanks to a football game someone's playing. On Bravo? Oh, the Super Bowl. (laughs) Yes. But weirdly, the finale of Potomac goes up against the Grammys. You would think they would push it all. To me, there's more crossover in that audience than there is with Super Bowl, but I'm not a network programmer. Do you know I only know who's playing in the Super Bowl? And I couldn't tell you right now, except that I just recorded a podcast for Real Moms of Bravo and she dropped it Oh, because they are in, one of them lives in Kansas City, so. Which Hometown I didn't know team. they were playing. Right. Yes. She was like, Kansas City. And I was like, what's happening? <laughs> and I couldn't tell you the other team. Oh, Philadelphia. Yes. They, they're the, very expressive. The Eagles versus the Chiefs. Couldn't what a what a world go team with the stuff and the whatnot go go Rihanna and Cheryl Lee Ralph yes wait is Cheryl Lee Ralph doing the um... yeah she's performing not the national anthem but it's like raise every voice it's a song they've done a few years now oh that's incredible okay well that what a spectacular choice honestly on both counts and I speak only of the musical performances because again couldn't know less I know there's a football. And then it's made of leather, maybe, or something. I don't really know. It's not for me. Pigskin. It's not. I mean, and another reason, my favorite animal. Why would I support this? Why would I support this kind of sport? Um, Listen, when you talk, though, about the idea of asking important or pointed questions and not getting an answer, whose responsibility do you think that is ultimately? And how important is it? to get a response specific to the question asked? Well, I, th- I think the second episode of Salt Lake City's reunion was a good example of like what questioning can and should look like. Mm-hmm. And also a good example of you don't get an answer. 
the right. kind of back and forth with Meredith over, you drew a very hard line. You said that if Jen crossed this line, she would essentially be dead to you. And then she did cross that line and you're calling her an underdog now. Please explain yourself. And, you know, we didn't really get a clear answer there. Um, it will be interesting to see if, how, like, what the follow-up questions to the Giselle of it all are. Because in the trailer, there is a quote-unquote fan question, it sounds, mm. that is... <laughs> um, that calls her out for, you know, you've gone after Eddie Osefo, you've gone after mm-hmm. Michael Darby, you've gone after Ray Huger, and this year, Chris Bassett, when will you stop doing this and using this as your storyline? Giselle will probably say, it's, I don't, it's not a storyline, it's what's happening in my life, and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, it's not going to be the answer that the Bassett hounds want to hear, but it's an answer. Um, I think... It's the responsibility of Andy and the producing team. It doesn't all fall on Andy, but he's the face of it to like push them as far as they feel they can go without burning them because it's like a 12 hour day. They sh- they're shooting so much content that if you like badger somebody too much too early in the day or about one topic, they might shut down and not contribute to other things they need to speak to. So it's a whole balancing act and sport in and of itself. What do you think of a response that I've received from some AGs that it's unfair to put Giselle and Robin in the same bucket when it comes to some of these rumors? Because Robin, for example, responded differently to the questions about Chris's behavior than she did about Eddie's. How do you kind Mm -hmm. of figure that out for yourself? Well, I think their positions on the couch this year kind of speak to that. They aren't sitting together. They're across from one another. They've separated them. Um, and I, I think in a way to signal to the audience, like we will be dealing with the Green Eyed Bandits individually and not yeah. as a unit. <laughs> not as a collective. Um, yeah. And also giving them space to interject independently and not be able to turn to each other and whisper to each other and kind of scheme feels too harsh of a word, but like game plan in the moment. Totally. Um, but I... They are very much aligned on most things. So it's, it's, to me, it's, the line is easy. It's like, okay, Robin, you disagree with Giselle on this. So we'll ask you this about this. But you two have the same opinion on this and this. So you can speak together on this and this. Right. And it's the idea of how does Robin at times identify that I think is also important here. Because there is the idea, the conversation, the critique of putting these women together in their own alliance, that is an interesting conversation to have. But at the end of the day, how do these women seem to behave? They seem to be active participants in the idea of the green-eyed bandit, which I think works counter to the argument that they should only be seen as individuals. Yeah, it's kind of... I'm very interested to see where season eight goes, given the revelations on the podcast and the kind of admittance that yeah i'm on a reality show but i kept a lot of my reality a secret um and how that's counterbalanced or addressed because karen huger has on her youtube show been like i'm going after her essentially (laughs) um and but she said it in much more karen words like she sure i don't i can't 
I'm not the. She's adding an extra wick as a memorial to Robin and Wong. Right, we're gonna yeah, there'll be a five wick soon enough. Okay, great, great, great. Um, you know, I do have to say, timing is everything, and there is something magical about you being on this episode because I feel like so much of the conversation in the housewives community, for better or worse has been in the last couple of days about things that aren't necessarily directly applicable to the episodes that we're watching. Can we please take a moment and with you as the official housewives correspondent <laughs> for entertainment tonight, and also just honestly for so many of us, can we just get a little bit of a breakdown or summary of what the fuck is going on with Robin Juan and her Patreon? All right, so I, to be honest, I have I've very surfacely paid attention okay, to it, and we I have help each other. Yeah, we can help I haven't each other. fully yeah, dug yeah. in, but it is my understanding that on an episode available to the public to anybody, Robin said, "You know what? There was something going on while uh, we were unreasonably shady. Yes, unreasonably yes. shady. There was something going on while we were filming. We didn't really want to address it. I'm going to go into detail on the Patreon. So." Mm-hmm. Honey, trap those subscribers and get them to pay <laughs> the extra bucks to go listen to this. And then the brave soldiers who went so far as mm. to do that and report back God to bless. the internet, which God like that's I didn't, I'm not a subscriber to the Patreon on my best, but I'm not. And so I'm it's going off of essentially hearsay of what people are reporting back. Well, and recordings. Yes, people recorded yes. it and shared it. And God bless them for that. Um, God bless them. But then it seems that there was some woman who was sliding into Juan's DMs and there may have been either emotional cheating or some sort of meetup in person. That's unclear to me. That's what I was like. I don't, I don't know if I care enough to dig into this. Um, and then that seemed to snowball spiral into some sort of extortion plot in trying to either get money or fame out of the Dixons, um, which then, you know, Nene Leakes weighed in on, on The Breakfast Club by saying these people are starless and how would they make them famous? They're not famous in and of themselves, which is a whole different conversation. Oh, Lenithia. But so that seems to be my understanding. Whether this woman is Karen's doppelganger walking around Georgetown, that seems to be the unclear point. But there, see, there right. was a woman... And a level of infidelity, though, from what Robin has shared, it seems like it was a very surface level issue. Yeah, it harkens back to questions, I would say, about maybe Lisa and Lenny seasons past, the idea of an emotional affair. And how much of this affair is emotional? Are we all just depending on your husband to tell us? Right. Well, and the Lisa thing, hindsight is twenty twenty, right? So mm. seeing where things have gone, it's like, is that what you told yourself at the time or what you chose right. to believe because the reality of your marriage was something you didn't really want to accept. Yeah. And from my understanding, this has gotten so muddled because of the rumors that Karen brought up on Potomac. It appears to my un- to my limited understanding and awareness of the situation that what Robin was trying to counter with was, here is some information that I'm going to share, but it's not about a blonde woman walking around the Potomac area. It's, a, it's actually as a response to a content creator who went on TikTok with hotel receipts. Yes. So there are potentially two different 
questions of affairs or maybe who knows this woman could be blonde i mean blondes exist in canada and we see <laughs> we see each other okay as a blonde who has literally not gotten her roots done since bravo con but is spiritually blonde regardless <laughs> We absolutely see each other. So I don't know exactly how to differentiate, except I'm taking Robin I'm taking Robin's word on the fact that she's responding essentially to this content creator and yes. not Karen. But what Robin apparently said, and again, apologies if I'm misinterpreting it, but how could we not? It's so fucking confusing. There was a person, a woman who told Juan or was having an affair with I think a, a football player and came to town but couldn't pay for her hotel room and Juan being the generous and charitable person we all seem to understand that he is decided to pay for this woman's hotel room where nothing else happened except that Robin then said she and Juan had some stuff to work on because of trust after this. And maybe the woman introduced friends of hers to Juan's friends, which then led into a very confusing and dark area regarding sex trafficking. It's like detail it overload, but no... Yeah takeaways it's like okay we're getting a lot of information and a lot of specific right. details but i'm confused as to what the we've lost the plot and the plot that i would really focus on if i was robin is like okay juan bought a hotel room for a woman who was coming to town who regardless of whether or not she planned to extort them after which is a big regardless by the way we're believing he he paid for a woman's hotel room out of generosity and kindness alone and then didn't tell you that? Yeah, there's a lot of questions. Robin is on Watch What Happens Live for the finale on Sunday. Yikes. Hopefully there is some um, digging into this, especially if it was not brought up at the reunion, which was filmed weeks ago. If you were a Bravo executive or Andy or member of the cast, noting that several members of the cast, including, as you said, Karen, definitely Dr. Wendy, definitely Candace, who had a thesis that she tweeted that was honestly a pretty extraordinary read using words I absolutely had to Google. Um, <laughs> shout out to Occlude. Um <laughs> If you were Andy or an executive, how would you be feeling about this reveal happening on her podcast and then Patreon? Um, well, I, I think you sit down for a conversation of why did you hide this? Do you not want to? Is there a reason? Like, I guess the, what are the questions? Questions are, why did you do this? Why did you hide it? Are you uncomfortable sharing your whole life on the platform we've given you? If that is the case, do you feel the platform is the place for you to be moving forward? Um, and I don't the whole podcast space and like expansion of sharing their lives in other ways is so interesting because for all we know, Robin did say something on camera and they chose to edit it a certain way so that we didn't get that information. Um, yep. And then she's now just sharing this on her podcast because she feels maybe 
hey, I said this on the show and no, and they didn't explain it. So here's, I'm filling in a gap for you. I don't, that doesn't seem to be the case here, but benefit of the doubt. Um, but then you have like the two T's situation where Tamra Judge, when OC finally premieres later this year, is not going to be able to discuss the show on her podcast. That seems to be the agreement she has. Complicating things, though, is like the show is supposed to be your real life. So if you can't talk about your real life on your podcast, what's the point of having your podcast? I, f- I think there's a mur- we're in a murky water situation where there's going to be some changing boundaries. But I do think the expectation should be you share your whole life on this show. You don't get to hide parts and save it to monetize elsewhere because you wouldn't have the chance to monetize it elsewhere if it were not for this show. And the thing that I was most confused by, to be honest, was I saw the reactions of of the Bravo community before I fully sort of understood the situation. And a lot of people were very upset and can totally hear and understand that critique. I instinctively was like, but she might be sharing this on the reunion. It's possible right. that she was sharing this as a preview to the reunion. And then I saw her cast members' responses. And I was like, oh, Robin done fucked up because it is very clear, according to the cast members' responses, most especially Candace. That they had Cassidy's no idea. Dissertation that they had no idea, which to me was like, oh, Robin, this is actually really not good because the thing that I think Bravo hates the most, that Bravo hates the most, is when cast members spoil something that's going to happen. But this isn't even a spoiler. This is like a little bit of an asterisk where you're crossing out a couple months of words. Right. But you could also look at it as Robin has laid the groundwork for a phenomenal start to season eight. I mean, listen, how do you do season eight without this? Uh, That's the thing is it's like because there's, you know, there's rumors floating around that she's gone. She's going to get fired for this. And it's like, "Mm." or is there more incentive Mm. now than ever to keep her on the show and have her friends hold her accountable (laughs) to this? But Again, kind of tricky situation because it's a full fourth wall break. Um, but I feel that Bravo and Housewives has fully leaned into if life events are big enough to warrant a fourth wall break, we will break the wall down. I would assume Candace and Karen and Wendy will be stepping on set at whatever <laughs> tea shop location the first scene for season eight is and summarily getting mic'd and then saying, someone find me, Eric. <laughs> How could they not? If I was Candace Imagine, in this situation. Opening, opening scene of season eight is those three sitting down with the mm. producing team all on camera <laughs> to be like, what the hell, guys? I also have to wonder, re-examining Robin's path to this meandering, confusing vow renewal, which is how I look at the new wedding marriage, how much of this information impacted the emotion and anxiety or depression she seemed to be exhibiting during... I think the first COVID season plus what we saw last season. A big question I would have for Robin is, you seemingly have not hid anything in the previous six seasons of this show. So why 
did this happen now? And, great question, and Giselle and Robin seem to receive this information from this woman or another source at the same time. It sounded like this woman was reaching out to people. I don't know if it was under the guise of like, money please or fame please or i'm sharing something with you because i'm going to share it with the world right or just pay attention to me and make me feel pay special attention, please yeah there's a a, a there's a, a wide variety variety of reasons why this person got in touch i have no idea and frankly it's sort of outside my purview but how did this have an influence if any in the decisions made to talk about Chris's behavior and talk about, I mean, allegations, honestly, rumors and overall speculation about Eddie. Like, was it Giselle being like, you know what, Robin, I'll protect you and I'll throw smoke over here so that no one's looking at what's actually going on over here? I don't know. And how could you ever, if you were Wendy, if you were Candace, I guess if you were Karen ever trust either of them then and also like the thing that makes me think maybe that wasn't a plot and people are overthinking this is like why would deborah get involved what did like what she has no connection to giselle as far as we know other than you know the one mommy's night out whatever the hell they called it um i i also i i do think filming your life and people paying attention to it can make you live in a space that hyper like makes your reality a hyper version of it sure and that the consequences aren't always thought about before action is done because it's like a moving train that you're just trying to stay on and how many times have we seen housewives stand in front of less than ideal husbands and try to deny potentially a crumbling relationship or marriage or someone's character, which is less than ideal. I mean, I think of Ramona in that situation. And I also think of the ways that Ramona projected over the years, projected onto her frustration about Luann's marriage, for example, and infidelity. And who knows what she was experiencing at that time. And so there could be a level of even subconscious projection that we're seeing take place, but oh, that doesn't totally. explain Giselle's behavior, right. for There's, example. There are a lot of question marks here, and I, yeah. but I don't think they will ever go away. Because at the end of the day, it's all word. Like, all you have is someone's word, mm-hmm. and you have to decide whether you trust it or not. And there does seem to be a pattern of calculated behavior sometimes but is it calculated or is that or is it a coincidence there's like it's not a a science there's no like this is the rule (laughs) right and there's also the idea that you can be on reality tv and keep things private larsa pippen you can be on reality Absolutely. You can be on reality TV and keep private whether you're stripping the son of your ex-husband's former teammate. You can be, I think we should caveat this as you can be on reality TV and still be a good reality TV personality and hide things. Amen. Because there are people who are on reality TV who hide things who are not good, like also good for the show. But like Larsa keeping parts of her life private is still phenomenal on Real Housewives of Miami. 
Kenya keeping parts of her life private while they ended up being an issue for Kenya when it didn't quite work out. Right. Her and Mark was still able to deliver, maybe not in the ways Bravo respected because she was too withholding about her personal life. But there are people who come on this show. I mean, you could even maybe say for some seasons, I don't know how much you can argue that now, but Giselle has never really shared a lot and what she has shared about her ex-husband people have contested as maybe not being real and right. yet she's i think a fantastic housewife yes. in so many but ways it, and it's also i think that so much blame gets placed on the women themselves again we have no idea what all they filmed what all they have shared right. and such a good and point. where in the editing room things get lost or mm-hmm. kind of uh, skewed to fit the 42-minute narrative they have to fit it into. Which I agree with, noting that it does appear that this was a, a shock to people. Yes. And I think we'll get more information on that. This is unfortunately a watch what happens. Although I wonder if Andy is going to try his best to avoid it until, you know, a pre-selected viewer hops on screen with the question about this very subject. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see how how it's addressed come Sunday. Ciao, AGs. I am speaking to you right now from Rome, Italy, where I am having a little bit of a European adventure. While I love the city and have had so many unique experiences to historical sites, the Vatican, we went to the Pantheon earlier today, there was a little bit of a hiccup in the apartment that we're staying in. And while I really enjoyed getting to know Fabrizio, the owner of the flat, there was a little bit of a language barrier because I unfortunately do not speak any Italian, even though I have watched The Sopranos all the way through at least three times. And this is where Rosetta Stone comes in. What would have helped me enormously in traveling abroad would have been brushing up, also known as entirely learning, the language of Italian. It could have broken down barriers and conversation with Fabrizio. And I also think speaking the language of the place that you're in is a sign of respect to the locals. It's also the ability to fully immerse yourself in the experience. And me not knowing any Italian, apologies to my grandpa Reno, who did make pizza from scratch, it would have been an incredible and even more incredible memorable experience. Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including Spanish, French, Italian, that's right, German, Chinese, and even more. Rosetta Stone immerses you in so many ways. There are no English translations, so you can really learn, listen, and think in that language you want to learn. It's designed for long-term retention, which is especially helpful for me because while this is my first trip to Italy, I really truly hope it won't be my last. The lifetime membership that Rosetta Stone offers has all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs in life. That's lifetime access to all 25 language courses that Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, AGs can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today, today. Ciao. Hey, AGs. 
Are you ready to add a touch of luxury to your home, just like the Real Housewives? BCC Villa Rosa. Introducing Home Threads, where style meets comfort for the ultimate glam experience. Picture this. Chic furniture, one could even say chic c'est la vie, that mirrors the elegance of your favorite housewives' mansions. With exclusive designer collections and a curated selection, HomeThreads.com has everything you need to make your space as fabulous as the housewives themselves and always at the best value. Unlike Joe Gorka's initial attempts at windows, perhaps. Now, I have to tell you, I know that Padma is no longer on Top Chef, and may her memory be a blessing, but nothing has made me feel better prepared to host future seasons and potentially even iterations of Top Chef Upper East Side Edition than the Henkel's clad 10-piece stainless steel cookware set in silver that I got along with a two-piece stainless steel ceramic nonstick fry set from Zwilling thanks to Home Threads. It makes me feel like I am finally ready to be a Top Chef one egg over easy at a time. They're gorgeous. They look great in the apartment. For someone like me who lives in New York City which with a very small space, what I have in my kitchen is important because guests who come to visit me see it. And I'm so, so thankful to have discovered Home Threads because now I feel fully prepared to make eggs a la Francais. Head over to HomeThreads.com today and live your best Real Housewives life. Go to HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls and get a code for 15% off your first order. Again, that's HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls for a 15% off code off your first order. HomeThreads, love where you live. I also thought just looking at that reunion trailer you know, obviously Jacqueline comes with her receipts and that is all fine and good. But the moment that made me so nervous was this reveal. But who knows, again, as you said, what the context is about Ashley and Michael and her Oh, prenup. yes. And the prenup she worked so hard to renegotiate possibly being invalid um, and that she might not get alimony from him. I'm I'm very concerned about that conversation and what Ashley maybe accidentally agreed to at some point in time. It does feel like Ashley repeatedly has taken uh, Michael's word for it. And I don't know why she ever would, but we saw that this season, even in their like gentlemen's agreement that they weren't going to see each, uh, see other people while they were separated, which obviously as Candace revealed is a one party agreement since Michael was seeing someone else. It could also be a a more complicated thing of we are not moving forward with the prenup agreement because Michael has agreed to purchase this home for me and the boys and that is the like equivalent of like I'm giving up that to get this. Like there's it's probably a lot more nuanced than just Michael screwed Ashley over. It could be it also could be Michael being an asshole but we saw some of the nuance on 
Miami during last week's episode. It might have carried over into this week, but I don't think it did. When Larsa was bringing up that very idea to the embarrassed lawyer who was apparently mortified because he forgot he was stepping into the set of Real Housewives of Miami and thought he was on divorce court. Um, So what a fucking moron he is. But I'm very (laughs) into him being a very successful attorney and not doing his due research uh, and due diligence on that. But what what Larsa said to the attorney was like, is there a way in which this conversation about a trust could help Lisa, a.k.a. Sally, and the legal team's response, which I thought was important to hear and also kind of depressing, is like, yeah, there absolutely could. A, a, an, a spouse, the one who's holding the purse strings, could be more invested in making sure that his soon-to-be ex is taken care of if that person knows the money is really and the house is going toward the kids, Yeah, which changes things for, for some people. Yeah. Totally. Which is also kind of unfortunate because it's like, I guess that's the reality of like, you want your soon to be former spouse to go fuck themselves. But it's also like, okay, but we don't care at all how they live. I guess not. Yeah. Or you don't care about these children, (laughs) as Lisa told Lefty. Right. Yeah. I think it's a legal reinforcement of a reminder to them that your wife, the woman that you hate, or. find yourself anger toward angry toward is also the mother of your child and right. children and if you want a relationship like, with, with them you might want to maintain some semblance of a relationship with her yeah which i feel like might be a topic um on the rest of the season judging by some stuff that's been speculated outside of the tv apps but i do want to shift gears ever so slightly because When it comes to the conversation around asking a question, hoping for, expecting a response, I feel like there's no bigger example and examination of that than what we watched on the Salt Lake City reunion part two, noting that we're recording this Friday afternoon and I literally just watched... (laughs) The Salt Lake City reunion part two, which I unfortunately watched twice because I truly did not want to see it. So <laughs> I waited until the last possible moment to watch this. Shit. I've also seen it twice. And tell me what you're thinking about it all. Well, it was incredibly frustrating on a number of levels. I think one, it was a huge disservice that they had to film it before Jen's sentencing was done. Because one, would she have been more apt to be there had she known what her future looked like and could speak to it? Two, it gave, as we saw, Meredith an escape shoot to not directly discuss the situation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And three, it's like Jen not being there, the entire season was centered around issues with her or her involvement in other people's issues. So you're missing the person who everybody wants to hear from. So that's why it was kind of, I was thankful it was two parts. I could have used a little more time with the friends. I feel like there was more to unpack with the three of them and the things they experienced this season. I honestly would have taken them on stage for longer and said, you know what? We don't need to see the husbands this time. Um, Right. But it was so bizarre that like Meredith seemed, Meredith has always been pretty direct. Like she's always kind of said, this is how I feel, accept it or not. And to speak around Jen and the situation with Jen was 
just seemed out of character for her, but also her friendship with Jen seemed out of character. And she was, I do think a lot of it had to do, I think Jen said this in one of the interviews she gave during the season, um, that they bonded over the Jenny racism stuff Mm. and were the only two people who I guess showed up to a lunch that was open to everyone to confront her when Jenny was still a part of the cast before they dumped that footage and moved forward. I don't know if any of this is true. It's, but it's what Jen claimed. Um, And that, so like that explains to me a little bit more if it is true, why there was a connection there. It's like, they both felt like they were the only two who showed up to stand for this thing. Um, but who knows? I, there's so many questions left over. I do think cameras on that show are going to go up like days before Jen is set to report to prison. So I think, and it might have been a note of, hey, you know what? We want to carry this over into the fourth season. We want to save some of these thoughts, some of these feelings for when she gets sentenced. So like, speak what you can, but maybe... Don't say it all, because save some stuff. Like, who knows what conversations were had before they sat down for that reunion. Isn't that entirely counterintuitive, though, or counterproductive? Yeah. If production was like, save this, because you're going to lose people in the in-between who are no longer going to care because of the delay in recognition. I think that's just a challenge of you're making a show that is about reality, but exists in a delayed space Mm -hmm. and i think production is still catching up with how fans now interact with the shows and with the women um and there's so people care so much about what's happening in real time now that i wish they didn't it's like can you just wait till it airs on tv and have an opinion then like you're trying to figure out things that no one has seen yet who knows who your sources are and what spin they're putting on the situation Um, Mm -hmm. And so I think it's hard for them to figure out, okay, how do we keep interest in this show and interest in the storylines that kind of are the thread of these shows without giving it all away? Because there has to be some incentive to keep watching. Yeah, but I also think there's a difference between giving it all away and showing us nothing. Yes. And that seemed to be the frustration, not even frustration, confusion that Andy had in talking to Meredith because he was like, I'm I'm talking to a different person sitting in front of me than what I have seen with repeated examples that were echoed by, you know, Whitney and Lisa, certainly. What is the answer to why you're responding in a way that is actively pushing silence first and foremost. Like there seems to be a lack of recognition that Meredith is pushing very hard as her primary response to this. Like not just a lack of recognition in like what Jen explicitly did, which she seemed to be pretty clear on previously, but a lack of recognition that jen is not the underdog here her that was that was the bizarre thing and i think it was she probably just had a poor choice of words and was trying to get a thought out in some way but like calling jen an underdog was so bizarre to me because Mm. i think they are framing it all around what is happening to her and not what she did for that to happen to her. Like, this is the consequence to an action. This is not an action that has a consequence. 
And, but that seems to be the place they're living in is like, the action is that the court sent her away. So the consequence we now have to deal with. And it's like, hmm. But I, it just, the whole season was kind of bizarre because no one was ever asking Jen questions. Mm-hmm. And I think Andy's question to Meredith at the reunion, are you afraid of her? Was a good one. I don't, there, there seems, there is some level of fear there. But I think it's more like I'm protecting myself because I don't have to deal with her going off on me versus like actually being afraid that she would do something harmful to their lives. But how do you weigh a potential fear, discomfort or anxiety knowing the way that Jen has maybe fucked with her family before or with other people directly or indirectly, mostly directly? when that didn't seem to be as important to you last season, when you obviously knew who she was then, like, it's not like Jen has revealed herself to be more duplicitous. Now she's just revealed herself to be a uh, more clearly a criminal where before you could say allegedly, and now you're like, well, she said it's yeah. fact. So there we go. I don't totally understand that. Like, not even to remove empathy from the equation, but just history. Yeah, and I can understand it a little bit more within the confines of you filmed the season and you didn't know what was going to happen to her. It's different at the reunion where it's like, you know she's getting sentenced to some amount of time. Like, she's she will not be on the next season of this show. Like, there's six months, a year, whatever her time is. Like, production was going to move along she's not Teresa Judice they're not holding the show for her right um and her crime is very different than Teresa's um right. so but yeah I don't the lack of ownership at the reunion is confusing because I could excuse it away before that of well there's the politics of filming this show and having alliances and having co-workers and needing to keep certain people in good graces and have certain relationships with people and not burning bridges because you're going to have to be around these people all the time. And maybe during the season there was some, especially because Jen professed her innocence up until they had to do pickup filming to film her guilty plea. Um, You know, that could have been an excuse for how they were operating. I do not understand the point of view at the reunion other than was there... Were they hearing from Jen that, you know, her lawyers thought she would get little to no time? And there's so, again, so many questions that we probably will never have the answers to unless somebody owns up to it on the next season and kind of lays it all out. And the one of the many moments that left me like befuddled and just disconnected was Heather saying essentially that anger toward Jen is just virtue signaling, which felt... Like it was supposed to be much more of a punch directed toward Lisa and Whitney, perhaps, than the audience. But the audience technically is a number greater than two. And I wonder if Meredith is trying to pick up on that. Like the idea of like revenge. This is so depressing, but like my way to win in this argument against Lisa and maybe with Heather against Whitney is not to align with them that Jen is bad. 
like is that what's most important here when they are filming this very specific kind of reality tv right to me lisa's answer was the best of like i have very conflicted feelings she pulled me into her world i've like fell in love with her as a friend and now i'm having to mourn this relationship that i thought i had and this person i thought was in my life um but she's also drawn like a clear line of you know what i'll support her friend like her family and be there for them but i like can't associate with somebody who did this like i moving forward and i don't understand what's so hard about that because i do not fully understand what heather and meredith especially were getting out of their relationships with jen especially i think they tried to get into this at the reunion of heather jen nonstop speaks ill of you when you are not around and not just like for the cameras off camera to people who aren't involved in the show like and Heather's explanation was, well, I hold her to a lower standard than I do Whitney. But why? Wouldn't you think you would hold the person who does worse things to you to a higher standard than the person who, like, is just trying to figure out what went wrong in your friendship? Absolutely. And if you hold Jen to a lower standard, why are you treating her better? Yeah, that which is what Whitney was, I think, very confused by. And we didn't get... We didn't go anywhere with that conversation. The The place that we went was Heather sort of nonchalantly or, or rather quietly is probably a better descriptor being like, well, this is no longer a problem for me. Like what she seemed to be intimating was like, I'm no longer going to do this thing. And I don't know if that's because Jen is a criminal or because Jen's not going to be on TV. Yeah, it seemed like she was almost like. And soon Dobby will be a free elf. Like Jen goes to prison. <laughs> I get my sock and I can like, there's. I'm going to pretend I understand that. Yep, 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 a, yep, I don't even, I'm not even a Harry Potter. I'm not even a Harry Potter fan, but it's like, it's like, it's like a whole, the troll people. no, it's Harry Potter. And it's like Hobbits. a house elf. And if he, if, okay. if they give them, if he, they give right. him clothes, he can be a free per, like a free individual. Mm. Adorable. I'm not even, okay. I, I don't know why that was the reference. God that bless. Came to me. God bless science um, or whatever. <laughs> um, I, there are so many unknown things about the dynamic of Heather and Jen, because mm. nothing we were presented ever on the show, even going into season two, when she was like, you called me Shrek. These are things that most people in their everyday life would say, you know what? You treat me terribly. I get very little out of this friendship and you've only made my life stressful. I think I have to cut ties. But in the, when you sign yourself up for a reality show and you are contractually obligated to be around this person, maybe you make concessions to... And I do think a lot of them thought, well, Jen's the star of this show we're on. Like, Jen's the person who they center everything around. Right, except we now know that star doesn't exist in this galaxy anymore. Or at least, I don't know. It feels like Salt Lake City is more keyed in to trying to understand and maybe even break away from from troubles on other casts or other franchises just by the very nature of them being maybe former Bravoholics or people who watch this on TV. There's an awareness there. Between Salt Lake City and Dubai, these are two shows that have like incubated in a period of time where the fans are hip to how it works Mm -hmm. and history repeats itself. We see similar tropes across the franchises. And so 
these women are playing a game that didn't exist for the women who came before them. And the question then is, you don't need to play it like a game. I guess not the, the, not the question. It's just like the directive is you don't need to play this like a game. That is honestly, Bryce Sander, like my number one or in top three biggest problem with with Heather and Meredith is that they are playing this like a it's game. It's thinking too much about the show. Heather even right. tried to explain away Jen kind of ignoring the reality of her situation by saying, well, when the cameras are around, life feels bigger. And she maybe right. thought it was just for the show. And it's like, which then goes, okay, well, you're kind of a- approving Jen's statements in courts that I play a character on TV and this isn't who I am. Um, which is, mm-hmm. I'm like kind of shocked that they let it go there because I feel like the whole Oz behind the curtain thing is like, these are not characters. Like, they aren't doing it for TV, but I, I think you can't help but do certain things for TV when a camera's in your face. Yeah, and it's the grounding nature of the way that Heather and Meredith are trying to defend their loyalty, their loyalty toward an empathy toward Jen that I find the most frustrating because it's like not so much that they're trying to normalize this because I think the answer that or the response so many people have felt has been like a little bit of disgust but there's something about the like shrug of it all that we're just getting toward the it's like they shot straight forward toward the idea of like well Jen's always been complicated so this is just another example of it Jen's always kind of been a piece of shit so why would I expect anything different maybe I no longer am so heavily aligned with Jen so this is not even a conversation we need to have even though by all examples Heather is just as aligned as she ever was but it's like where why aren't we angry that's the question andy has and lisa and whitney have which is inexplicable at best right where is the anger toward the realization of her crime right which to that i would say lisa has had the strongest reaction but truly no one across this cast has had a Mm -mm. like the reaction I think people would expect somebody to have who is in close proximity to like Bernie Madoff. I think the audience expects people to have a bigger reaction than they are. And maybe that's just the nuance of reality. And we don't know how it is to be in these shoes, but also there's still a question of like, how much was Jen in any of these women's lives before three years ago? Cause it's like, if you, if you frame it as imagine like a coworker who like you're on a team with, and you work on some projects with, but you're not like working with them all the time, Mm -hmm. did something wrong, you'd probably be like, oh, that's so weird. But you might not be, you know, signaling to the world, like, this person's terrible. (laughs) Like, maybe that's their point of view as like, well, my coworker did something crappy, but I didn't do something crappy, and the show didn't do something crappy. So it's like, it's on them and not on me. And yet that defense or understanding is something that hair that Heather will only apply to Whitney. Well, we were going to we talk about serious things but only when they're on camera. Right. As if to say my relationship with her was only meant for camera time or that's what it became when you would think the person she would want to apply that to was Jen and yeah. yet she doubled down. Yeah. 
I I do think Whitney on that note is like a good little soldier for production and like yeah wants to do what's right for the show and is like well I'm not gonna reach out to Heather because we're gonna do it on camera and I I think that's where they're lost in translation and Heather would rather the show be shiny and pretty and not deal with any of the cracks in life and so she wants to deal with the cracks when no one's watching mm-hmm. but yeah the whole Heather Whitney thing is so bizarre to me because the way Heather has spoken about it all season long is like largely the opposite of what's been presented on the show. Like Mm -hmm. Whitney offered her an olive branch essentially and was like, I want to figure out how to move forward with this. And Heather was like, no, we'll leave it here. But then Heather has positioned it. And even at the reunion said, you decided to drop me as a friend. Didn't tell me why. And it's like, well, I feel like we've, we saw a lot of that on the show. Maybe you weren't having the conversation in real time, but couldn't you have the conversation now? Do you regret how you acted at all on either party? And I hate to say it, but it's giving me a little season three Jill. Just a little. It's, I made this comparison exactly. Little. It feels exactly like Jill and Bethany. Whitney is Bethany. Heather is Jill. If you had told me that Heather was going to be season three Jill prior to season three Salt Lake, I would have been like, what the fuck are you watching? Right. There's no way. Even when watching them go at each other at BravoCon. I was like, what is even happening right now? I also thought it was interesting that Andy was like, "You viewer question, you've seen out of character this season. Like, it's not the Heather we knew. And Lisa, under her breath, goes, it's not out of character. And Lisa has always said, like, the Heather that's on the show is not the Heather she knows in life. And I'm like, well, who is Heather? I'm in the middle of reading her book, and there are some, like, insights into how she thinks and, like, explain a lot about what she how she operates uh, mm-hmm. as an adult. But it is interesting that it's like, we think we know these people and then they say, no, you don't. Yeah. And that's something that Whitney has said as well. Now you could argue some of that is because Whitney and Heather are currently at odds, but some of that might again be the realization that the person I aligned with is not the person I thought she was or the person I aligned with is now against me. So I'm going to reveal things I always thought about who she was. It just so happens that it's no longer benefiting me. So for the purposes of this examination, I'm going to be more honest. And it's like, okay, well, it doesn't necessarily make Heather the villain here, but it does add a layer of depth that's not necessarily in her favor or in the favor of people who only want to see her as purely good with every possible example of poor behavior as one that can be explained away, which she was also saying on this episode that like every example of her poor behavior or calculated intention could be explained by trauma that she has experienced, which is not to take away from trauma she has experienced, but also just to say a person can have a multifaceted character and a part of your behavior and reactions to things can come from a place of trauma and stress and shame and embarrassment. That can absolutely be true. And there can also be additional reasons. Yeah, I think for Heather, like a lot of people have left her life. Mm. And... Like, and not by her choice. So I think that mm-hmm. informs the Jen part, but is the antithesis of the Whitney part. Like, why wouldn't you fight to keep this person who's offering? It's like she wants to fight harder for the person who wouldn't fight for her. And that's confusing. And this is like the worst thing that I'm going to say today, but it's like 
teaching someone the lessons that you've learned from leaving a cult-esque environment, which is not to say that the Church of Latter-day Saints is in and of itself, but just to say when you're leaving that mentality, one would think you would be less proud of running the cult of friendship around Jen. Like there are lessons that we believe she wants to teach us so that we can all learn. And I think a lot of that is based in good, is based on I have learned certain things and I want to impart them so that harm like this doesn't happen to another person or that so another person doesn't have to feel so alone. And yet we're watching her explain away behavior that I think is problematic. It can't all position itself under I've learned lessons when it feels like there are some lessons here that she's teaching that aren't so good. It's like cher- it's like cherry picked where you apply it and it's either it, right. when rules are usually slash should be either they apply or they don't. It can't just be situational. Yeah, and there's a level of projection here that I think a lot of us feel toward either our frustration or anger at her behavior or um, unparalleled sympathy and empathy because we all have our own experiences, our own feelings and beliefs and how we apply that as a projection into what this person is going through and what they're sharing is entirely individual specific. So to a certain extent, a level of empathy that people are applying only universally to Heather is not a bad thing in terms of like, wow, thinking of that viewer, that person, it's like, wow, that's actually pretty incredible that you feel such empathy. That's not the worst feeling to impart in the in the world. Right. Like better you have empathy towards someone than just pure maybe hatred all the time. We're not talking about Jen here, who is like a cartoon villain in my head and will remain that way forever and ever. Amen. But there is also the idea that like, is that person, I mean, does anybody really qualify as being good enough to receive that is like a separate and weird conversation. But like you're imparting soul empathy or sympathy because of your experiences is entirely understandable, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that is the only perception a person can have toward Heather. And yet it's so closely connected because a lot of our feelings toward Heather specifically are closely connected that it becomes difficult to have nuanced conversations because people feel upset about them. Right. And I do think an extra layer here is I imagine there is some, fear or unease in the women at large about where this show goes Mm -hmm. without Jen who was story driver and like again centered most of the last three seasons like the big drama was mostly about her all the time and so I'm sure some of that plays a part either consciously or subconsciously here about Mm -hmm. the reunion performance specifically of Like, are we at our own funeral? Is this the end sort of mentality? Which it's not, but who knows what they were thinking that day. Yeah, and maybe for Heather and Meredith, the way to get through this is to just like kind of gingerly step around it because for them, maybe accepting anger or frustration about Jen. Or owning that you did something that was unpopular or maybe you no longer agree with is difficult. Yeah. And 
I just, the thing that's difficult for me is like, I think Heather believes it and she has her own reasons for like the ways that she thinks of loyalty as allegiance and the frustration and anger she has towards Whitney for adding in accountability and seeing that as a sign of disloyalty. Like, I think her relationship and friendship with Jen is exhibit A. But with Meredith, I don't think she believes it. And the way that she was talking about why she's writing off everything Jen has done because of some really difficult um, and upsetting circumstances that Jen was in regarding her mental health like the false equivalency here of like well if I don't write off every single thing she's done because if I don't do that she's going to do something to herself it was like the interjection of self-harm was so problematic and upsetting and triggering and I was really appreciative of Andy in that moment being like what the fuck like you can talk about someone and not want them to engage in self-harm. This woman, right. is a cr- he didn't say it in these terms. This is a little bit of my flavor. But like a person can be a decade plus long criminal. You can express anger and hold them accountable without feeling like that accountability is going to directly lead to something else happening. I think that kind of false equation. For- right. And you can you can choose to be there for somebody and in one way and not in another like hey yes i really don't agree with the things you've done in life and the crimes you at this point have allegedly committed that you will soon confirm you committed but i do want to help you get help if you need it in this way because this is close to home for me like you can there's it's not black and white there can be a gray area life is more gray than black and white right but these shows often live in the black and white And the women on the shows live in the black and white. Totally. And it's the sidestepping square dance of it all. It's the idea of like, well, I'm going to go into this other area of talking about this. And that is the only performance that I'm going to give. And like life is more complicated than that. And the most simplistic understanding of Jen is not being acknowledged or received And that is very difficult because Jen is no longer going to be on the show, but her her ghost, for lack of a better term, the circumstances around how Salt Lake City has existed this season are going to remain. So like if production is doing casting and looking for a colorful character, well, we're going to remember who that person is apparently replacing and it just makes me feel a little bit weird about all of this, especially when Mary Cosby is reportedly rejoining the cast, albeit as a friend right. of like and adding that kind of you don't know what she's going to say, but with a little bit of a uh, what exactly are we how are we doing business here again? Yeah, I. it seems that Salt Lake City is a tricky place to cast people that will not get themselves in trouble with the audience um like there's rumored women in the mix and then social media posts are coming out again of like these are 
wrong opinions. Um, Uh-oh. Yeah, but I, they haven't started production yet, so there's time to correct that. But also, like, if you're not going to sweep their socials, at least tell them, hey, delete everything. Like, delete all your profiles immediately. Like, anything you've ever posted should be wiped from the web's web. Start new accounts. Like, there should at least be that directive. Why do you think that they don't... Why aren't they doing that? It's so weird. I think they do it to an extent, and they there are just holes in their system. Jenny is a giant hole, then. Yes. The entirety of... I mean... I don't know if I don't know why they're not having a sit down that starts with like racism is bad. But if they're not willing to do that, just simply saying, you know, your years long record of disgusting, dangerous, violent images and LOL jokes, which is how she, I think, tried to explain them away or some yeah. of this. Right. Is like not great. Yeah, I, there's the casting process is I, I don't have insight into it. And it's a lot of like third party agencies. So it's like they outsource mm. it. Like the production company might have people or they use an independent company. So it's like the oversight maybe gets lost in translation of how in depth the background checks go. Um, mm-hmm. All that to say the people who are like, why do you keep hiring criminals? It's. Uh, no background check in the world is going to let you know the FBI is investigating somebody. You know, like there's there's no way to know that. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm fascinated to see where it goes. I think they're going to kind of stack the cast, and I think Salt Lake is a is a show that has always needed like seven wives. I don't think there's yeah. enough happening in Salt Lake City for like five women to carry the show. Um, I'd be interested to see some of the friends of from this season back. I think Angie Harrington is a fascinating character. Like half her posts on Instagram are about talking to aliens and being interested in extraterrestrial exploration. Yes. Angie Harrington? Yes. Um, And she's like a a woman who attempted to be an actress and was like in a couple movies that were shot in Utah. Um, So like I, I think she got a bad rap because she like wanted the gig (laughs) too hard, you know, and like went too hard. Yeah. But I think she's an interesting character. I think Angie Kay, if they could loosen her up in her confessionals and not make everything sound like it's a scripted line read, would be great. And then Dana, I I don't feel like we got to know enough about her. It was like, I feel like they almost used her to have a trailer moment. And then the season itself was like, why is she here? Yeah, I mean, shout out to Angie Harrington for buying herself some grace by literally engaging in a transaction with Jen Wasn't and Coach Shaw. That wild and Lisa- and it was such a fucking one off. And Lisa Barlow being like, I mean, I wanted to, but my lawyer said don't do it. And then Heather being like, I would never do that to my family. It said a lot about who these people are. That that whole exchange. If I was, I mean, talk about someone find me Andy in a camera. If I was Andy in that moment, but maybe they knew that the friends of had already left, I would be like, hey, can someone hunt Angie H down right quick and bring her on over to the couch? Maybe they knew that it wasn't worth it. Maybe they understood that because it was so transactional of like, if I give you this money, Heather rewriting it as like, Chris is generous. It's like, no, they they wanted the apology to be received. I'm sure Heather... And Angie would be aligned in the messaging of that point. Like, I'm, sure. I am I doubt Angie would have contributed anything beyond what Heather said. Um, but it is, like, why, why would you involve yourself in any way? I think any legal counsel would tell you, like, don't, don't assist in anyone else's legal issue. Like, that just 
that involves you in their problems. Yeah, I think that's what Lisa's six attorneys, let alone accountant, yes. were like saying as they slid into her DMs and were like, maybe this isn't the GoFundMe to support. <laughs> um, obviously, Angie H. felt differently, but she had a reason to because her husband's right. a piece of shit. Um, listen, so much to be said. I just, before we, to be continued until the next time you're hopefully on, thoughts on Miami, the season that keeps on giving. What a fucking app. An incredible show i'm so thankful to have these women in our lives Mm. very confused about like why like just give marisol and adriana mojitos like we're not really getting (laughs) we're not really getting anyone's personal life like we're not really getting that many like family scenes so i don't know it's it seems silly at this point um i i don't i i just love it all i think it's like perfect no notes (laughs) Honestly, the husbands yelling at each other because Todd's like, you embarrassed my friend, but I'm not going to address the way that my wife was acting. My note is Gertie's husband hates filming the show. (laughs) You know what? And God bless him for it. It's okay to have one husband with an extreme discomfort as long as not every husband is like that. And I I do. The whole Alexia Nicole thing was so interesting because it's like, I do it, I do think their age difference is almost to the point where it could be mother-daughter. It would have been like a teenage pregnancy mm. situation. So there's this weird power dynamic there. And and Alexia does not give Nicole any space to explain mm-hmm. herself. And then Nicole was not taking Alexia's notes because Alexia gave her like a little room and was like, stop saying but. Just like, just remove that word from your vocabulary. But then Alexia was not willing to receive because Nicole's explanation mm-hmm. was, we hugged. I thought we were good. How would I know you would want an apology? Had you reached out, I would have given you one. That was essentially the plot. But we get these two bonkers scenes at restaurants. Um, and then Alexia ending the second one going, this is why we get along so well. I'm like, you have been fighting <laughs> the entire season. You know, I love an argument about intent versus impact because it's something I talk about on AG literally every single episode. Intent doesn't matter once the impact comes around. Until it does when you're saying that your intent was bad. And I well, yes, if the intent if the intent was bad, it does matter. But right, definitely, it's like intent does not disqualify the impact, but intent can also play a part. And Alexia seemingly was like, intent was bad, impact was bad. And Dr. Nicole was like, impact was bad, intent was different. Yeah. Intent maybe was was different. Yeah, I think Nicole's like, we were filming a, a very heightened scene and I wanted to make a fun little moment for the TV people, you know? Like, and I do think Alexia lives in a world that like, she's one of the rare people who is not thinking about we're making a show. She's like, this is my life oh. and you're filming it. Mm-hmm. Versus I think Nicole is very much because her she is a doctor and they, she has to work around her actual work schedule to do the second job. I think she very much views it as a job and is doing the Bethany thing where it's like, I'm going to show up, I'm going to make mm-hmm. something happen and I'm going to leave. And I don't really care if the house is on fire when I leave it. Yeah, I think Dr. Nicole is more open to performance and Alexia is who she I'm is. I'm interested to dig into, I'm interviewing Nicole next week um, <gasps> to dig into, I'm actually, I'm coming to New York next week. We could have saved this and we could have been in the closet. Oh my God, <laughs> right. um, Okay, we're doing it to be continued, maybe like literally in seven days, but continue, um, continue. 
But Alexei and Marisol alleged on Watch Evans Live this week that the whole mirror thing was like the invention of someone else. And I want to ask Nicole about that. Yeah, because they were saying that Nicole couldn't explain how she came up with the idea, I think, at the reunion. Yeah, that she had like multiple stories over time about how it came to be. And, you know, Marisol, knowing everybody, seemed to know who actually came up with the idea. I don't really care where, where the idea came from. It was classic petty housewives and... I don't I think Nicole is like a necessary force on that show because she's the only one who's going up against the the women who I think think their mojitos are secured for a lifetime. And you know what? They should be. The three of them truly are giving like absolute legends. But I do have to say I haven't seen a full watch what happens in a minute just because I feel like so overwhelmed with housewives stuff. And I watched that watch what happens and was filled with so much love because I really, truly love Alexia and Marisol so much. And they're so funny and fun together, especially when they're like feeding off each other. And the fact that these two 50 something women are constantly oh, calling God, each other bro. Them. Yes. It's like, oh, this is beautiful I, andy got frustrated on that episode though because marisol is mm-hmm. just like all over, all over the, place. the place not paying attention alexia kept going i'm the smart one <laughs> <laughs> and marisol doesn't care god bless her i feel the same about like the timing of it no. all like if marisol's gonna tell a story she's gonna finish it and andy's like cool we're on the clock right, right now please stop but she's like my fat doctor <laughs> who who somebody oh pointed god. out is when they put the chiron up not a doctor is an advanced nurse practitioner um, I saw it like as a warning in a Facebook group that was like, if this is somebody claiming to be a doctor in your area, do not go to them for medical attention. And Marisol saying repeatedly that she never went to this person. She just socializes and then talking about how she, her like injecting was self-taught or right. something. And, and once a week and it's some sort of cocktail made at this strip mall doctor. I was like, mm, maybe we shouldn't be doing this. Alexia asking for an ingredients list and then being like, the list is it burns fat. Stop asking questions and just put this needle (laughs) in your ass was honestly, I was laughing so hard. And I also just have to say for a show that has so much to do and is so set inside Cuban culture to hear these women talk with each other and go for lack of a better term, in and out of Spanish and Cuban inflected. Right, well, even when they were... At that, like, husband's lunch, dinner, whatever yes. it was. And Nicole was like, my son speaks better Spanish. Like, he'll be like, mom, look at this. And Alex being like, what is that? Teach him in Cuban. And then she couldn't even think of what the, like, Cuban <laughs> the equivalent would be. would be. I love it so much. Like, literally, my heart sings when they are communicating with each other. I wonder how that makes, like, Lisa and Larsa and, like, feel. Gertie feel who maybe aren't... <laughs> clued into what they're saying or if they're i'm sure lars is just like not paying attention whatever like, yeah 100%. i'll yell at somebody when it's my turn but <laughs> <laughs> she's more concerned about her feet at the end of the day okay she's thinking about when she's getting her next million dollar pedicure going to a, a club at what appeared to be three o'clock in the afternoon Six o'clock at night. <laughs> i am so thankful that they actually turned the cameras because when they sat down they sat down next in what looked like without actually seeing it an empty room I thought to myself this is they're doing this whenever the club let them film right. which is like literally six fifteen p.m and they're next to people in complete casual wear I think it was like a woman wearing like a t-shirt yes, like a tourist group behind them yes 100% and there's a, a moment group. if you go back and watch the episode it's when Kiki's getting up to go on the stripper pole 
it's as if the woman finally realizes what's happening next to her and like realizes <laughs> there are reality to her. She literally looks directly at the camera, her mouth drops, and then she pulls oh out God. her phone to start filming them. Okay, 100%. But she's that, been there. Why, she, uh, what's weird is she's been there the entire time of the scene leading up. It's as if the movement oh, of the camera to follow so Kiki just clued her in that something was happening seven feet away from her. Oh my, it's literally giving Finding Nemo, and I love that about it. It's this like underworld universe, and the characters being like, oh, wait, what's happening? What's going on now? I love it so much. I can't get enough. I literally cannot believe that you're going to be in New York next week. Yeah. And we did not record in the office. I'm going to maybe force you to come down here and do a Patreon or something. I don't know what's going to happen, okay. but I know that you're going to need to, or just come and have some shams. Yeah. We're going to maybe need to do a little turtle time. Yeah. It's going to happen. In the meantime, Bryce Sander, tell the folks any interviews you've got coming up. Obviously, Dr. Nicole is on the docket. And um, tell us so, everything. Mention it all. I'll just speak uh, generally. Nicole, uh, Nicole for sure. Um, some New Jersey stuff coming at you. Mm. Some Salt Lake City coming at you. Some Summer House coming at you. All the, all the Bravo's gifting us with a lot in the month of February, and we'll be digging into it all. Score a one to ten. One being it's over, dead in the ground, never going to happen. Ten being like reunion, family reunion next week. What's the likelihood that Teresa and Melissa will be able to film again in the future, let alone be family IRL? I'll let you know after next week, because... <laughs> <laughs> Those may Listen, those guys. may be the two women I'm talking to. <laughs> I hope it's together. I hope it's at a family potluck. <laughs> and the only thing they've brought were like foodless plates that they're ready to throw into the air. Um, can't wait for that. Can't wait to see that, to hear about it, and so much more. Speaking of seeing and hearing, well, at least hearing um are you guys following the ag patreon bonus episodes up including immersive ag theater with ryan houlihan where we act out the entirety of that lisa rinna interview magazine feature extravaganza a satchel spectacular that just went up with all of your thoughts and feels questions and concerns about all things salt lake potomac and more and a special episode with Brands by Bravo, where we talk about the future slash LOL of Real Housewives legacy, which is truly in shambles. A very big. <laughs> yeah, it's a very big question mark. So we get down and dirty and all that. You can follow me on Instagram at Dame Galley. Bryce Sander, did you give people your IG? I did not, but it's handles? just at Bryce Sander everywhere. Perfect. So guys, give us a follow. Hope you enjoyed this episode and we will chat with you soon. Have a good one. Bye-bye.